not sure exactly what we have here. Or... I don't know what you do when you arrive at that intersection. <laughs> Church signs are the worst when they're not clear. One last sign this morning. What does this symbol, what does this sign mean? What is that man doing to that woman, and why is he doing it? Uh, that's the task that's before us this morning, is to get clarity together on what this great symbol means and to evaluate our life and participation in it, whether you've never been baptized or whether you have been baptized and made great promises as part of it. Um, if you are baptized, if you have been baptized, um, I want to encourage you not to check out on this. It will be teaching that you'll be familiar with, but this is a great opportunity for you to remember your following Christ in baptism and to reflect on the level of correspondence that your life has right now. So this is a really valuable time. Remembering is such a spiritual exercise for us as believers, and we want to do that together today as we look at the scriptures and then as we look at Northwake's practices of these things together. So let's pray. Right? Lord, have mercy on us now. Help us see clearly, hear well, and remember well. Help us take stock of our own lives honestly so that we might bring you joy and pleasure and honor. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. What does it mean to be baptized? When someone walks out into the waters of baptism at Falls Lake or was baptized at our 20th anniversary service out at Joyner Park, as you saw a couple weeks ago, what does that mean? It means principally three things that I'm going to underscore for you today. And the first of those is this. The symbol of baptism means when I am baptized, I believe. I believe the good news about Jesus. I believe the gospel. And gospel is just another way of saying good news. 1 Corinthians states it this way, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. When people walk out into the water to be baptized, they are doing that because they believe the gospel, the good news about Christ, that Jesus died for their sins that he bore their sins upon the cross. Isaiah prophesied about this long before Christ, saying, 
Surely he, the Messiah, took up our infirmities, carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. John Piper says it well when he says, Our sins ruin us in two ways. It makes us guilty before God so that we are under his just condemnation. And it makes us ugly in our behavior so that we disfigure the image of God we were meant to display. It damns us with guilt and it enslaves us to lovelessness. The blood of Jesus frees us from both miseries. It satisfies God's righteousness so that our sins can be justly forgiven and it defeats the power of sin to make us slaves to lovelessness. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins. And baptism portrays that. Everyone who is baptized at North Wake is a believer in that good news. It also means, though, that we believe a bit of bad news about ourselves. And Isaiah, in the next verse, continues and talks about it. He says, we all... Like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on the Messiah, on the Christ, the iniquity of us all. We really, truly need a Savior. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Apart from Him, we have no true hope, no sure hope. And when you enter the waters of baptism, you are agreeing with that. You're saying, you, need a, you are a sinner who needs a Savior, and you believe that Jesus is that Savior. But even beyond Christ's death for us, the good news says more. He says, I received what, what I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. We don't believe that Christ just died for our sins, but we believe that on the third day he rose from the dead. Romans 8, Paul says, Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So when someone is baptized, they are acting out what they believe. When they are placed under the water, they are saying they believe that Christ died on the cross and was buried for their sins. And then when they're brought up out of the water, they are saying by their actions that they believe that Christ was raised from the dead on their behalf. So the first thing that I want you to understand about what this great sacred symbol of baptism represents is that those who are being baptized believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus on their behalf. Now the second thing the symbol means is very closely related but yet very important um, to distinguish and that is that when someone is baptized they are saying that I believe that I am united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. Romans 6 talks about this perspective. And if you would like to open your Bibles to Romans 6, you can put your thumb there because, as you can tell, I'm going to be all over the Bible today, Old and New Testament, um, ping-ponging all around. And to keep this from being a Bible drill for you, 
Uh, you can just put your thumb in Romans chapter 6. That would be the main text for us. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, Paul says. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. By faith expressed in baptism, we are united with Christ in his death. Paul says it a different way in Galatians 3. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. By our union with Christ in his death, we share, we benefit from all the benefits of his death. Our relationship with sin has been radically, dramatically, and forever changed. We, like Christ, are now dead to sin, no longer slaves to sin. We are not under the condemnation of sin. Our sins have been washed away. As Acts 22 says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. We are fully forgiven and declared righteous and justified. We are delivered from, the, from slavery to sin. The power of sin is no longer the defining direction of our lives. We are already able by faith to grow more and more triumphant over sin every day. That's what it means when we're baptized. We are declaring that we believe that we are united with Christ in his death and all the benefits of his death come to us. We testify, essentially, by baptism that we are different, that we have been changed because we are united with Christ, not only in his death and all its benefits, but in his resurrection and all the benefits of his resurrection. Again, it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. When we trust Christ, and saving grace comes to us. We are united with him in his death and no longer enslaved to sin. We are also risen with Christ to a new life. Um, the old man, the old woman that we used to be is no more in terms of our relationship to sin and our relationship to God. John Stott put it this way. <clears throat> he says... Imagine an elderly believer called John Jones. John Jones is looking back over his long life, and his life is divided by his conversion into two halves. The old life and the new life. 
By faith and baptism, John Jones was united to Christ. His old self died with Christ to sin. Its penalty born and finished. At the same time, John Jones rose again with Christ, a new man, to live a new life unto God. John Jones, he says, is every believer in Jesus Christ. We are John Jones if we are one with Christ. We died with Christ. We have risen with Christ. Our old life terminated with the judicial death um, it deserved. And our new life began with a resurrection. Baptism symbolizes that we have been united with Christ spiritually. And that as a result of that, we have changed. We are no longer who we used to be. We are no longer enslaved to sin. We are now have a new master. We now live for God. And baptism represents that for us. So when we are baptized, we are acting out that union. When we go under the water, it represents that we share in Christ's death and receive all the benefits that it brings to us. When we're brought up out of the water, it represents that we share in his resurrected life and we have a new life with a whole new relationship to God and to sin. Baptism portrays, it acts out a life transformed by the gospel, by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So first, baptism portrays what we believe about the gospel. Then it portrays that we believe that we are changed by that gospel because we are united with Christ in it. Lastly, that I wonder our score for us today is that baptism demonstrates when I am baptized, that I am a follower of Christ, um, that I will live differently from now on. Romans 6 talks about what that will look like, starting in verse 11. It says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. Baptism is this great, often the the first great public act of following Christ. We are following his command to be baptized. Jesus in Matthew 28 said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we are following his command. We are following his example. In Luke 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. So we follow Christ's example as well as his commands. And this great public act of following Christ is a direction setter for the rest of our lives. That's why at Northwake, typically, when we were out in the water preparing to do the baptism, we'll ask the candidates a question that goes something like this. 
Have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior? And are you willing to follow him as your Lord all of your days? And they, res- they respond, yes, I have. And they are baptized. That's why when we walk out into the water with the candidates, the congregation will often sing these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. To be baptized is to follow Christ's command, to follow his example, and to commit to following him all of our days. No turning back. So when we're baptized, those are the things that we are portraying in part. That we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we are united with him in that death and resurrection, and all the benefits of his death and resurrection are ours, and we are changed by it. And Therefore, we are committing to follow him all of our days, just as we are following him on the day of our baptism. So those are the significant things I want you to understand about this great symbol that we practice as a church. Now, Let me just say a few words about the way that we practice that specifically at North Wake. Um, First, we do practice what's known as believer's baptism. Everyone who's baptized at North Wake has professed faith in Christ and evidenced that by their life. Now, as a result of that, that means that we do not baptize infants, as some other Christian uh, churches will do. We do not baptize infants because they have not been able yet to profess faith and evidence faith in Christ. And we believe that the biblical pattern is faith followed by baptism as evidence and testimony of that faith. Now, in the New Testament, there are baptisms that encompass whole households. And sometimes Christians will say, If the household was baptized, that means that the babies were baptized too. Therefore, we should baptize babies as well. And um, when we look at those texts, the typical pattern, and even in those texts where whole households come to know Christ and then are baptized, um, there is evidence of faith by the members of those households. For instance, in Acts 18, Crispus, who is a synagogue ruler, And his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. Now, the assumption here is that his household was also baptized, but clearly it says, too, that his household believed. And that's typical of that. And there are no explicit instances in the New Testament where infants were baptized. So we follow that biblical, what we understand to be that biblical pattern. Now, as a result of that, we do rebaptize those who were baptized as infants before they were believers and we would encourage you and challenge you if that's your background to search the scriptures and consider that path of obedience this is my path i was baptized not as an infant but as a child um, before i professed faith in christ now the church i was raised in had a rather curious pattern Um, to join the church you had to be baptized but you did not have to be born again. Okay, Go figure that one out, but that's the pattern. Um, so I was baptized and became a member of the church before I came to know Christ as my Savior, which happened late, later in my teens for me. Um, so 
once I came to know Christ and studied the scriptures, I realized that I needed to be baptized as a believer. So I was baptized um, probably a, a couple of years after I came to know Christ as evidence of my faith, a profession of my faith. This does not mean and did not mean in my case that you must renounce the good actions of your parents on your behalf as a young child. Okay. Um, it is rather, and the way I explain to my parents who were present at my baptism as a believer, um, that this is my ownership of what they had hoped for me when I was baptized as an infant or as a young child. So that's how we deal with those matters here at North Wake. Um, we also practice baptism by immersion. That means we put people all the way under uh, whenever possible. We don't sprinkle and we don't pour, typically, um, simply because that seems to match better the biblical picture of what they did in the Bible. The language, the word baptized, usually has the meaning of to dip or to immerse. And you also find them from time to time being happy to baptize in certain places because there was plenty of water which again seems to imply that they're immersing. Don't need a lot of water to sprinkle. So we're thinking probably they were practicing, typically in those cases, baptism by immersions, which is another reason not to baptize infants. Um, <laughs> but uh, what about baptism of children? Um, we are eager to see young uh, men and women follow Christ wholeheartedly and demonstrate that in baptism. But we look for a series of evidences to make sure that they are ready. Let me cite a number of those for you. First of all, we look to see that they understand their personal responsibility for their sin, and they can articulate that, that I am a sinner, and I have sinned grievously against God. Okay. They understand what it means to place their faith and trust in Christ, who died on the cross as their substitute, and they can articulate that. We look for evidence of a changed life. Upon profession of faith, have they evidenced a change, a willingness to follow Christ? We look to see that they can understand and articulate what Jesus did for them in his death and resurrection. They understand and can articulate the basic gospel. And that they understand, and this is really difficult for young children, they can understand the symbolism of baptism because it is so rich and yet so peculiar. It's hard for children who think literally to sometimes get their hands around this. Uh, a lady had a little girl named Betsy, and she faithfully attended baptism classes in their churches. And her mom, wanting to be sure her daughter understood the significance, asked her, Honey, what does baptism mean? And a little girl said, Well, it isn't the water that makes you clean. She started, and her mother's smiling, thinking she gets it, she understands, and then she said, it's the soap. <laughs> and so we realized she's not ready. She does not understand the symbolism, the cleansing from sin, the symbolism of baptism, and what it represents. We look for children to understand the commitment made in baptism, that they are going to follow Christ all their days, and that they are ready to take responsibility for that. We look to see, can they publicly tell their story of how they came to know Christ and the difference that's made in their life? So those are what we look for. And obviously, those kind of things would exclude most young children from readiness for baptism at a very early age. The Bible does not set an age. 
uh, the guidance that our elders um, would set at this time is that we would recommend a minimum age of about 10 to 12 years old. In the past, that's up just a notch from the past where we've recommended nine. We feel like 10 to 12 is probably a good guide for most children and most parents to consider in terms of preparation for their children for baptism. Um, you can imagine the value of waiting you know that when a teenager steps into the waters of baptism and declares that they want to follow Christ all of their days, it is not a result of peer pressure. It is likely not a result of parental pressure, but it is their own choice and decision. And so we have encouraged parents to be wise and patient and to consider an age range of 10 to 12 as a minimum for their children. Our baptisms at Northwake are typically done out at the lake. Two weeks ago, though, we broke with pattern and we baptized at our anniversary service, 20th anniversary service, out at Joyner Park. Um, and our hope is to begin having baptis baptisms here on site um, during months when the weather is not suitable out at the lake in the winter months, um, simply so we can baptize people more frequently and closer to their time of conversion so that when a friend of yours or a coworker comes to know Christ, he doesn't conceivably have to wait nine months till the ice thaws off the lake for us to baptize him. If he came to know Christ in September, it might not be till next June that we had a baptism. So uh, upon readiness of your friends and family whom you are sharing Christ with to trust Christ and follow him, uh, we'll be prepared here on site to have baptisms more frequently here in the future. So please let our, our pastors know when you have someone who's interested in baptism and we'll make arrangements to carry that out here. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what difference does all this make if it's really just a symbol? Um, if I'm not baptized, all the things about my faith are still true. I'm still a Christian. Um, I'm still a, probably a pretty good Christian. Um, it sounds to me to be somewhat insignificant, if not maybe even optional. And let me be clear, baptism is not optional. It's a command of your Lord, and if you intend to follow him, then you need to be baptized as a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, this is also significant because it is a great public and sacred act of obedient worship offered to God. That matters. It matters to God. It brings Him pleasure. And inevitably, this brings God's kindness and grace upon everyone involved. It brings grace to the candidate who often, this is a turning point spiritually for them, when they choose to publicly profess and follow Christ in baptism, God often uses that to accelerate their spiritual growth. And the whole church that witnesses it is encouraged by it. If you were out at our baptisms at the, uh, at the 20th anniversary service, that was phenomenal. I mean, I have just a few images of that here. Everybody was encouraged by what was going on at that moment. Numbers of us are thinking, I can't wait for the day when my neighbor is the one being baptized or my family member is the one being baptized. It matters to the whole church. I have never had anybody come up to me and say, after one of our baptismal services, that was really a lousy service. Uh, I, I want my money back. It was a colossal waste of time. I was not encouraged at all. No one has ever said that in the 20 years of our church's history, my 18 years here as pastor. Everyone is encouraged by it. So, an ancillary application. You should come to our church's baptism. 
baptismal services. It is a corporate act, and it will bless your socks off. It's also an important part of preparing your children to be ready when it's their day. Okay. So don't miss the next one of our uh, baptismal services that will be going on here at North Wake. The other reason that I'll cite for you briefly is why this matters, why baptism matters, is because it's such a beautiful, bold proclamation of the gospel. Um, that's why we love doing it publicly when we can, out at the lake where jet skiers and boaters and swimmers stop and watch. They see the gospel acted out before them. And um, the enemies of the gospel understand how important baptism is. In China, it is illegal to preach, evangelize, or baptize anyone under 18 years of age because the authorities who oppose the gospel understand the significance of following Christ in baptism. It's against the law. A couple missionaries from the Middle East tell this story. They say, for some years we have worked with a ministry to refugees in Athens, Greece. Athens is part of the refugee highway where people from around the world pass through on the road to a better life. In May 2006, one of the missionaries in Athens reported what happened to an Iranian man identified only as M. In 2003, she writes, everything M knew was destroyed by an earthquake measuring 7.45 on the Richter scale. He was tortured by the question of why something like this would happen to him. M went to live with relatives in Afghanistan. He was married there and had a daughter, but he was still filled with despair. So leaving his family behind, M headed west and ended up in Athens, staying with more relatives. And though he and all his family were Muslim, M became interested in Christianity, finding himself strangely moved by the sight of the crosses he saw decorating the Orthodox churches in the city. M was given a Bible and started reading. And since his relatives forbade such a thing, M used a tiny flashlight to read during the night after his uncles were asleep. He studied the Bible this way for two years. Finally, he realized God was calling him to be born again. He contacted the refugee ministry center, declaring his faith in Christ and asking for more information. And on Sunday, May 7th, 2006, he set his alarm for 6 a.m. because he wanted to spend time reading his Bible and praying that morning because on that day he was to be baptized at a fellowship with other Iranian believers. But his cousin had discovered the plan, and before his alarm went off, the cousin boiled water in a saucepan and poured it on him while he slept, scalding both thighs and one arm. M came to the baptism anyway. Standing before those gathered, the burns on his arms clearly visible, M declared, no matter what they do to me, I will love Jesus. And after the baptism, he said he felt like standing in the center of the city of Athens and shouting to everybody, I belong to Christ. Because that's what baptism means in one sense. That's why baptism matters. That's what our practices are here at North Wake. Now, as we close, my question for you is, what are your practices concerning baptism? Concerning the gospel, really, because that's what baptism represents. 
Do you know Christ in such a way that you believe that his death and resurrection have been credited to you and you want to follow him as your Lord and Savior all of your days? Have you ever entered into a relationship of trust with God based on what Jesus did on your behalf? Baptism, this explanation of baptism is an invitation to you from God to place your faith and trust in Christ. He is trustworthy. Now, secondly, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and have not been baptized, will you commit to obey him and follow him and be baptized as a believer, as part of following Christ? This teaching of the scriptures is an invitation for you to participate in this great public act of obedient worship and be baptized as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Lastly, those of us who have been baptized as believers in Jesus Christ, on that day, we publicly declared by our actions and many of us by our words that we would follow Christ all of our days. How are you doing with that? Are you living a life that's consistent with what you declared in the waters of baptism on that day? That you were changed. That you're not that old guy, that old lady. Now you're new man, a new woman with a new relationship with God, no longer enslaved to sin. Are you living that out in vibrant fashion? If that's not true of you today, then today the invitation for you is to turn from that life that you once lived and live a new life that Christ bought for you and accomplished for you in his death and resurrection. So the worship team's going to come, and we're going to declare together our faith in God. Um, during that time, a great way to take a first step of obedience is simply to come forward and consecrate your decision to follow Christ as he's prompting you today in prayer. And kneel down here if you're able at the front. And one of our leaders would love to pray with you. We're always available in the front rows to pray with you if you'd like us to. But God is inviting you to follow him all of your days through this teaching on baptism this morning. I hope you'll seize it. Let's stand for prayer and for closing worship.